Happy Wednesday Eve, everybody. It is Tuesday, September the 1st, and these are some of the headlines on BizarreBest.com. Scientists are giving themselves do-it-yourself Rona vaccines. Pilots landing at LAX report a guy in a jetpack flying alongside them at 3,000 feet. Rare singing dog thought to be extinct 50 years thrives in the wild. Pandemic brings hard times for farmers and worsening hunger. All of these headlines and more at BizarreBest.com. Dude, it's Bizarre Best Headlines, 100% unfiltered. Scientists are giving themselves do-it-yourself vaccines, being test subjects. In April, more than three months before any coronavirus vaccine would enter large clinical trials, the mayor of a picturesque town in the Pacific Northwest invited a microbiologist friend to vaccinate him in April. Next to nothing is known about the virus in April, remember. The thing just started like, we just, I mean, basically the public had just heard about it in February or March. I'd been talking about it since the beginning of January. The exchange occurred on the mayor's Facebook page to the horror of several residents following it. Um, several residents interjected skepticism in the exchange of the conversation between the mayor and the microbiologist on his page. They were swatted down by the mayor who defended his friend of 25 years as a pharmaceutical scientist on the forefront. When residents raised additional concerns about Mr. Stein's credentials and the unfairness of encouraging him to visit San Juan Island despite travel restrictions, Mr. Stein lobbed back vulgar insults. Several residents reported it to a variety of law enforcement and regulatory agencies. And in June, the Washington Attorney General filed a lawsuit against Mr. Stein, not only for pitching the mayor with unsupported claims, but also for administering an, his unproven vaccine to about 30 people, charging each $400. In May, the FDA sent a letter to Mr. Stein to stop misleading uh, this product. That's scary as shit. Although his promotional tactics were unusual, Mr. Stein was far from the only scientist creating experimental coronavirus vaccines for themselves and a family. The most impressively credentialed effort is the Rapid Deployment Vaccine Collaborative, or RADVAC, which boasts the famous Harvard geneticist George Church among, among its 23 listed collaborators. The research, however, is not happening on Harvard's campus. While Professor Church's lab works on a number of COVID research projects, he has assured Harvard Medical School that work related to the RADVAC vaccine is not being done in the Harvard lab. Among the most tightly-lipped projects is Coronope, which refuses to name anyone involved because according to the person responding to messages sent to the group's anonymous email account, the less than half a dozen biologists don't want to risk getting in trouble with the FDA or their employers. Dude, how widespread is this thing? Each do-it-yourself effort is motivated, at least in part, by the same idea. Exceptional times demand exceptional actions. If scientists have the skills and the gumption to assemble a vaccine on their own, the logic goes that they should do it. Defenders say that as long as they are measured about their claims and transparent about their process, we can all benefit from what they learn. Well, of course, but that's why there's animal trials. Usually when you create a vaccine, not that they're any less important, 
but that's just the way they go about things normally. Um, but critics say that no matter how well-intentioned these scientists aren't likely to learn anything useful because their vaccines aren't being put to the true test of randomized and placebo-controlled studies. The RADVAC vaccine effort was first reported on MIT Technology Review is different from Mr. Stein's project in two important ways. No one involved plans to charge for the vaccine, and unlike Mr. Stein's ex expletive-laden Facebook rant, RADVAC has a 59-page scientific document to explain how it works and to guide others who might want to mix up the vaccine formulation on their own. What? Dude! I don't know. I don't know if we need homegrown biologist labs. In <laughs> uh, late, uh, a key ingredient, tiny bits of viral proteins or peptides, which the scientists ordered online. If all went well, the peptides would train the immune system to defend against the coronavirus, even with no actual virus present. I mean, they're biologists. I, I guess they know what they're doing. A traditional drug development workflow begins with mouse or other animal studies. For RADVAC, Dr. Epp said, we're the animals. But without rigorous clinical trials, Dr. August said there's no reliable way to know if it's safe or effective. And he feared that the scientists' prestigious credentials might imply otherwise. Dude, this is extremely concerning. Um, and it goes on from there. You can check it out. Um, and it tells you, basically, I mean, it leads you to their websites. Some of these people are offering an opportunity to join in for like 400 bucks a person. It just seems like maybe it, without the proof, would you really want this going in your body? Is it safe? I, I don't know. For me, I'm personally, I'm not doing anything until... I know for sure it's safe if at any point I determine that to be safe. Uh, in any event, I will link it at bizarrebus.com so you can read the rest of the story for yourself. Airline pilots landing at LAX report a guy in a jetpack flying alongside them, even in an era in which Congress wants to openly investigate UFOs. A dude, their word, not mine, Flying alongside an airliner over Los Angeles in a jetpack is still bonkers. <laughs> no doubt. As if 2020 couldn't get any weirder, airline pilots landing at LAX on Sunday, August 30th, reported seeing a guy in a jetpack flying about 300 yards off their wing while on final approach to the bustling airport. <laughs> That's one way to get around, dude. What makes the reports even stranger, like out of the scene of the Rocketeer, the airliners were descending through 3,000 feet when jetpack guy showed up next to him. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. Can you imagine? <laughs> You're just a pilot, man. You're minding your own business, doing your job, thinking this is going to be an everyday landing. Nope. <laughs> Up the side of your window, you see jetpack guy. We need to meet this guy. American Flight 1997 said, Tower, American 1997, we just passed a guy in jetpack. Over, Tower said, American 1997, okay, thank you. 
were they off to your left or right? The flight people said off to the left, maybe 300 yards or so, about our altitude. SkyWest flight said, we just saw a guy passing us in a jet pack. <laughs> then the tower alerted an incoming jet flew, jet blue flight to the reported hazard. Tower JetBlue 23, use caution, a person in a jetpack, reported 300 yards south of the LA final at about 3,000 feet, 10 mile final. JetBlue 23, JetBlue 23, we heard and we're definitely looking. Another pilot chimed in, only in LA. <laughs> the airspace around LA, <laughs> he just probably wanted to see the look on their face like, He just rolled by, dude. The airspace around LAX is some of the busiest and most complex in the United States. Having some dude barreling through the skies in some sort of a jetpack around the approach path to the airport, especially at the same altitude as the aircraft that are making their way through the landing corridor, isn't just bonkers, it's absolutely dangerous. I'd have to agree, but it sounds like jetpack dude knows how to run his jetpack. What if he'd have got sucked into the engines? I'm sorry, that's terrible. There are a number of new jetpack-like designs that are remarkably capable, but all have very limited range and most only have <laughs> very low altitude flight envelopes. Yves Jetman Rossi ringed, winged jetpack is definitely capable of such a feat, but his flights have always occurred under highly controlled and well-coordinated circumstances in a sanitized airspace. I'm so sorry. They are also very high profile in nature and require a mothership to launch them, such as a helicopter or at least a very high point to, to leap from. <laughs> Dude. Can you imagine? I can't. And there's apparently, I don't know. I think there's a video on here of some jetpacks. I don't know if it's this particular incident. So apparently someone has beefed up their system and it's capable of doing this, uh, but they're stupid enough to actually use it in an incredibly congested airspace as part of an undeclared stunt. I wonder if it's on YouTube. Is it possible that this was some sort of drone that was made to look like a dude with a jetpack? Their word, not mine. Although that seems like a long shot, the only other thing we can think of at this time is that it may be some sort of flying car mobility solution that was just described as a jetpack. I'm, I'm pretty sure they know what they're looking at up there, dude. Come on. Quit making shit up. Flying up, flying at, at jet, Approach speeds and at 3,000 feet, among other issues, still seems like a reach with this scenario, regardless of the dangerous realities of such a stunt, are the same irrespective of the technology behind the craft that was involved. Pilots certainly see and report some weird things while playing their while plying their trade. But this unique, even by our, this is unique, but even by our standards, we are going to look into it. In the meantime, this serves as yet another reminder of the strange times we're living in. Without a doubt, dude. <laughs> Amazing. I just want to know what... Did he take photos of the pilots as he was cruising by? Like... <laughs> All right. 
I'll link it at BizarreAbyss.com. Well, let's take a small break to show you the new Bizarre Abyss face mask. Oh my gosh, y'all. You asked for it. You got it. Uh, $12.99. I'm sorry. I, that's the best we could do, y'all. We really tried to keep it lower than that. I really wanted to keep it uh, $10.99, but I could not get it any lower. Um, offers full nose and mouth coverage. Single-sided print. Includes two six-inch elastic ear loops, non-medical grade product, as you, of course, know. And one dollar from every mask sale is donated to nonprofit to feed the children in need. Comes in black, gray, white, and red. So feel free to check that out. Go to BizarreBist.com and get yours today if you would like to support us. BizarreBist.com. Real news. No bullshit. Well, we've got a rare singing dog thought to be extinct in the wild for 50 years still thrives. It almost looks like a wolf uh, breed. Golden hair, white on the bottom. Um, this dog can sing, or at least it can yodel, apparently. The New Guinea singing dog, an extremely rare breed, is best known for its unique barks and howls. It's able to make harmonic sounds that have been compared to the calls of a humpback whale. Dude, that's one talking dog. Only around 200 captive singing dogs live in conser conservation centers or zoos. The descendants of a few wild dogs captured in the 70s. The animals are severely inbred due to lack of new genes. None had been seen in their natural habitat for half a century until 2016 when an expedition located and studied 15 wild dogs in the remote highlands of the western side of New Guinea, known as Papua in Indonesia. A new expedition returned to the study site in 2018 to collect detailed biological samples to confirm whether these highland wild dogs truly are predecessors of the singing dogs. A composition, I'm sorry, a comparison of DNA extracted from blood collected from three of the dogs suggested they have very similar genome sequences and are much more closely linked to each other than any other canine, according to research published on Monday. They almost have a fox-like face, but their hind looks like um, an Alaskan sled dog that I used to have. While their genomes weren't identical, the researchers believe the Highland dogs are the wild and original New Guinea singing dog population, with the difference down to physical separation for several decades and inbreeding among the new captive New Guinea singing dogs. They look almost related to a population of conservation biology, New Guinea singing dogs that were descended from eight dogs brought to the United States many, many, many years ago said Elaine Ostrander, a distinguished investigator at the National Institute of Health and senior author of the paper. The conservation dogs are, are super inbred, and it started with eight dogs, and they've been bred to each other, bred to each other over and over for generations, so they lost a lot of their genetic diversity. The Highland wild dogs had a 70% genetic overlap with the captive population with the likely difference coming from the original diversity now missing in the inbred population. 
a breed largely created by people, basically. And the New Guinea is the world's second largest island. The eastern half is Pop is Papua New Guinea, while the western half part is is part of Indonesia and is known as Papua. The dogs were first described after a specimen was found at an altitude of about 2,100 meters in central province, Papua New Guinea in 87. Despite anecdotal reports and unconfirmed photographs in recent years, many feared the New Guinea Highland wild dog had become extinct through loss of habitat and mixing with feral village dogs. However, the dogs were rediscovered in 2016, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, there's a video on here of the singing dog, so you can check it out yourself. According to the San Diego Zoo, the singing dog's joints and spine are extremely flexible. It climbs and jumps like a cat. The zoo said that sonograms had shown that the dog's unique whale is similar to the song of a humpback whale. That's amazing. The researchers ultimately hope it will be possible to breed some of the Highland Wild dogs with the New Guinea singing dogs, perhaps through use of sperm samples to generate a true New Guinea singing dog population. Well, wouldn't that be something? I will link it at bizarrebest.com. Pestilence has brought hard times for farmers and also hard times on the food supply for many millions of people, both in the city and in the countryside. United Nation experts are holding an online conference beginning on Tuesday to brainstorm ways to help alleviate hunger and prevent the problem from worsening in the Asia Pacific region, a challenge made doubly difficult by the loss of many millions of jobs due to the crisis. The UN Food and Agriculture Organization forecasts that a number of undernourished people will increase by 132 million this year, while the number of acutely malnourished children will rise by 6.7 million worldwide due to the pandemic. And, it, quote, we must come to terms with that before us and recognize that the world in our region has changed. Um, says a representative for Asia and the Pacific. We must find new ways to move forward and ensure sustainable food security in the face of these twin pandemics, as well as prepare for threats that can and will evolve in the future twin pandemics. What? Oh, wait, maybe famine's the second one. Sorry, dude. I was like, what? Hold up, y'all. Um, disruptions due to outbreaks of the illness and restrictions on businesses and travel to control them run the gamut. From crops going unharvested, unharvested by migrant workers unable to reach their jobs to transport um, problems to farms, to farm families selling livestock stock and equipment to survive. Combined impact of the pestilence, natural disasters such as typhoons and droughts, disease and pests such as locusts, which we've heard about uh, earlier this year, have highlighted the need to build stronger capacity to manage multiple risks to food systems. 2020 has decimated countries, decimated uh, within their, their, their crops and food supply due to to pests, locusts particularly, and I guess then crickets afterwards or something. Crick grasshoppers, are, I don't know if they're the same. I think there's a size difference. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. 
That includes food and secure places like Yemen, where the UN says more than a quarter of a million children are suffering from severe malnutrition and will die without treatment. But long lines at food banks, even in wealthy countries like the United States, attest to the struggle to keep families fed with tens of millions newly unemployed. In countries like Thailand, where tourism helps keep the country economy afloat, closed borders and canceled commercial flights have had a ripple effect across many industries. The government has provided more than $5 billion in emergency aid uh, to more than 10 million farmers. The agriculture minister, Paisan, told the conference. But the loss of livelihoods is a long-term crisis. The question is how to fix a broken food system. It is noted that enterprising fishing villages in South Thailand's um, this is actually uh, not a cuss word, fuck it. <laughs> it's a name of a town, P-H-U-K-E-T. Have arranged barter deals with rice farmers in the northeast of the country. Some fisher folk in Indonesia, un unable to export their catches, switch to netting more affordable fish that they can sell at local villages. So they're trying to work it out. Um, anyway, this is a huge problem for basically the entire world and I was reading where in California I don't know if it's San Francisco or one of those major cities um, there is a line of cars like waiting to get food onto the freeway so it's a serious issue uh, and someone needs to some people need to get together and do something about it not just for the world but I don't know how we can as Americans help the world until we help ourselves. I know that sounds shitty, but we have a lot of freaking problems right now, and food is one of them. Um, so I'll link that at bizarrebus.com. You can read that. Um, there's a link there to the UN meeting upcoming, I believe. In any event, thanks for tuning in tonight, and um, thank you for all your con comments and um, the kind things that you say. It's just amazing. I'm it makes my day, y'all. It really does. Because um, I work all day, and then I do this on the side. And so it's difficult sometimes to find the um, energy to do it. But you guys always make it worth it. Um, so anyway, I will talk to you tomorrow. Stay bizarre. Yeah. Make sure you take a deep breath. Think positive. Just saying. Dude. Penguins given free reign to roam around the aquarium since there's no visitors allowed. That's awesome. Dude, look. He's looking around. He's loving it. I got a new section under the on the headlines page at the bottom called Bad Seeds. Matt Geats of Florida, 1st Congressional District, mocked the whole process by wearing a gas mask when reviewing the funding. You're a super freaking winner, dude. An Alaska airman has been punished for peeing in the office coffee maker. Dude, why? Like, how did... Why? Did you take it in the bathroom with you? Did you stand in the kitchen and whip it out? Clearly, this airman is dedicated to getting kicked the F out. He's trying really hard, y'all.